The following sermon was delivered by Senior Pastor Rev. Dr. Scott Black Johnston in the sanctuary of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church in New York City. We welcome you to worship with us every Sunday in person or on live stream. For details, go to FAPC.org. And now, here's Rev. Dr. Scott Black Johnston. This morning, my friends, we kick off our 2023 fall sermon series, Detectives of Divinity. For the next 12 weeks, the clergy of Fifth Avenue Presbyterian Church will be talking about humanity's search for God. We pursue this work encouraged by the teachings of the church, by a tradition that proclaims God is already, as Werner said earlier, searching for you. This is the testimony of Scripture. God yearns to connect with humanity. According to Luke, in that famous parable told by Jesus, when the prodigal son returns home, when he walks up the driveway desperate for a warm bowl of soup and the loving arms of his family, the young man discovers that his father is already halfway down the driveway running to embrace him. My friends, this fall, we are going to search for signs that God is at work in the world. And we do so believing and trusting this. The Holy One is already out there looking for us, running toward us, so very eager to embrace us. This summer, while designing the fall sermon series, I was blessed to listen to Paul Simon's 15th solo album, Seven Psalms. As Simon tells it, the poetry for the seven spiritual songs that he just wrote came to him in a dream. He describes getting up at four o'clock in the morning and jotting down phrases that had come to him in the middle of the night. In these early morning composing sessions, Simon says he was inspired by scripture, by the book of Psalms. All this is to say at 81 years old, Paul Simon is a detective of divinity. His music recounts one man's search for God, following clues, checking his intuitions, wrestling with his doubts. As our second musical highlight this morning, I have asked musicians from our chapel church service, which as Jonah said, resumes next Sunday at 9.30 to perform the first of Simon's seven psalms for us. The title of this particular song is The Lord. Now, as you will soon hear, Simon is not shy about identifying the Lord's presence. He sees heaven's hand in all sorts of different people, and places and things. You may not agree with every one of Simon's God sightings, but then again, listening to this might inspire you to look a little closer. So let's pray together and then give a listen. Gracious God, 
open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, so that as your scripture is read and your truths are explored in poetry and prayer, sermon and song, we may hear with joy what you are saying to us this day. This we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.
seeds we gather from the gardener's glove live forever. Nothing dies of too much love. The Lord, Lord is the face in the atmosphere. Lord is the earth that I ride on. Half I slip and I slide on. Lord is a virgin forest. Lord is a forest ranger. Lord is a Our scripture lesson this morning comes to us from Psalm 139, verses 1 through 14. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed me, my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. 
I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Wonder, says the psalmist, wonder recognizes wonder. In the passage that Natalie just finished reading, the psalmist sings, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. Human beings know wonder. Our souls perk up in the presence of wonder. We are wired for wonder. And what's more, we need wonder. We depend on a regular diet of wonder to be who we are created to be. This is the testimony of our faith. It also happens to be the conclusion social scientist Dr. Keltner draws in this fascinating book, Awe, The New Science of Everyday Wonder. A professor of psychology at the University of California, Berkeley, Keltner has spent a career studying human experiences of awe. Awe, Keltner argues, is a central part of what it means to be human across all human cultures. It's as defining a characteristic of you or me as the more commonly discussed big five emotional capacities, joy, sadness, fear, disgust, and anger. And yet, we don't talk about awe all that much. Some suggest that awe gets less attention than other human emotions because it's difficult to define what exactly is awe. (laughs) When does it occur? According to Keltner, awe is the feeling that we get when we are in the presence of something vast, something that transcends our current understanding of the world. In other words, awe looks at the world and says, that thing, that that piece of art, that that wonderful view, that amazingly kind and, and generous behavior goes beyond what I thought was possible. It stretches my perspective. It it expands the boundaries of the world as I know it. You you know what awe looks like. Awe's an open mouth. It's a sudden gasp of air. It's a low whistle between your teeth. It's wide eyes. It's a kind of twisted smile. It's a squeeze of adrenaline. Wow! This past summer, I came across an article in the New York Post that captured awe for me in a powerful way. 
The story focused on Vanilla, a 29-year-old chimpanzee who'd spent her entire life in a cage at an experimental medical facility. This past summer, Vanilla was transferred to a Save the Chimps facility, a sanctuary in Florida. And there she joined an, a number of other chimps who are well cared for, who are allowed to socialize, and who are given ample opportunity to go outside and play in a large outdoor space with rocks and trees and, and climbing ropes and hammocks. This well-equipped park-like setting lies at the heart of my story because Vanilla, you see, was afraid to go outside. She'd never been outside, never. Born in captivity, all she'd known for her 29 years was a cage. Eventually, though, another chimp, Dwight, held her hand and encouraged her to step through the small door leading to the outer world. A photographer captured the moment. Vanilla emerged and looked around. She looked up at blue sky and white billowy clouds. She saw things, all sorts of things that she had never seen before. And, and at that moment, her eyes widened. Her mouth fell open. Vanilla was in awe. Vanilla's photo in the post planted two very different emotions in my heart. First, I lamented the depraved manner in which humanity so often treats other animals. But at the same time, I felt awash in wonder. I, I rushed to show Amy, my wife, the photo. Here was evidence, clear joyful evidence of creation's capacity for awe. The psalmist is right. Wonder recognizes wonder. Creation marvels at other parts of creation. It, it happens all around us. It, it happens all the time. In fact, my friends, there are a surprising variety of, of experiences that are capable of making our mouths drop open in awe. And our fall sermon series, Detectives of Divinity, is going to explore a number of these experiences. Over the next 12 weeks, we are going to study the map of human awe. And we're going to do this because awe as American psychologist and philosopher William James recognized over a hundred years ago, awe opens a door to the divine. Where will these doors take us? Good question. Let's start by considering a few fairly common experiences that fire up our wonder synapses. People like me, often experience wonder in witnessing amazing feats of human athleticism. 
I leapt to my feet, shouting on seeing Justin Jefferson of my Minnesota Vikings make an impossible one-handed catch last year. <laughs> this past summer, I watched Marta Cox of Panama score a wondrous goal in the Women's World Cup on a free kick, an impossibly long, curving kick that had me pulling at the sides of my head in amazement. We experience wonder in nature, wonder in the arts, wonder in listening to talented musicians perform pieces that touch our souls. We can, we can fall into the arms of wonder on reading a newspaper account of human bravery. Humans experience wonder on witnessing other humans do morally good things. I recently read a story about an Iowa farmer who has secretly been paying for a neighbor's chemotherapy. His loving action left a silly grin on my face. Awe. Even number-crunching scientists experience awe and wonder. On the cover of today's bulletin, go ahead, take a look at it, is a stunning image from the James Webb Space Telescope. The images produced by the web, vast in scope, vivid in color, peering back through time at massive stellar nurseries and, and really the dawn of the, the universe have changed my view of the cosmos. And, and, and I'm just an amateur stargazer. Professional cosmologists have been awestruck too. They see the beauty in these images, yes, but they also see things that they did not expect to see. The images are awesome to astronomers precisely because they push back the boundaries of, of, of modern science. The data that's been coming in from the web has led some cosmologists to say, whoa, it's time to go back to the drawing board. Some of the ways that we've been describing the origins of the universe are just plain wrong. Recalibrating is one of the most important outcomes that humans get from an experience of awe. Awe prompts us to rethink our assumptions. Awe says there are limits to what we know. <laughs> Even the smartest person has only part of the picture. There's always more to be discovered. And, and as such, awe makes us humble. Awe makes us better thinkers and maybe better citizens. On the other hand, when our sense of awe atrophies, when we delude ourselves and begin to think that we've figured everything out, our jobs, our relationships, life itself, when, when arrogance and, and narcissism fully wrap up our heads, we become downright dangerous. 
I propose a one-question test for every individual who aspires to higher office in this country, or really to anyone who wants any sort of leadership position, and it goes like this. Does this person regularly express a sense of wonder about the world? Am I going too far? <laughs> I mean, is embracing wonder really a good test of leadership? Are there upsides to this least discussed emotion that go beyond humility? Consider this. In 2017, Dr. Yang Bai conducted a fascinating psychological research experiment. Dr. Bai visited two locations. The first location was Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco, a bustling urban site where tourists frequent famous restaurants and bars. And the second location is an overlook on the road into Yosemite National Park, where visitors first stop and encounter the glory of that valley with its immense trees and stunning rock formations, half dome, and the spray of towering waterfalls. In, in these two places, Dr. Bai provided people with a piece of paper, a pen, and a simple assignment. Draw a self-portrait. The self-portraits that people quickly sketched at Fisherman's Wharf were focused, as you might expect, on the self. The individual's head would often fill the sheet of paper, and the artists focused on trying to get their hair right and conveying something about their mood. I'm happy, I'm tipsy, I'm frustrated. The self-portraits made at Yosemite in the presence of all that natural wonder were very different. This despite the fact that the instructions were exactly the same, draw a self-portrait. But standing at that overlook, people drew themselves as tiny figures in a vast and beautiful world. And another thing, those standing in front of the wonders of Yosemite often added other small people into the portrait, the self-portrait. My friends, awe is good for us. Awe right-sizes our egos. Maybe the world isn't just about me, <laughs> my feelings, my truths, my needs. Awe flushes toxic narcissism out of our system. It, it connects us to the world around us. It connects us to each other. And yes, it also connects us to the sacred. Awe opens us to the presence of God. And this takes me back to Paul Simon. I read a review this summer of Paul Simon's Seven Psalms in which the critic wondered if the song, The Lord, was a bit too cavalier on finding God under every rock. At, at 81 years old, the article concluded, Paul Simon has suddenly gotten all religious on us. My response to that was an eye roll. Paul Simon has been talking about God in his songs for decades. Heck, I was 
four years old when Simon first sang, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. Jesus loves you more than you will know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Still, the review was at least partially on target. In seven Psalms, Simon does find God all over the place. The Lord is my engineer. The Lord is the earth that I ride on. The Lord is a face in the atmosphere. The path I slip and I slide on. I like Simon's extravagance. Finding God all over the place in nature and moral goodness, and even in places like poor Morocco, where human suffering runs deep, has always been the work of religious mystics. Do you know the story of Brother Lawrence of the Resurrection? Born in the early 1600s, Brother Lawrence was a soldier who fought in the Thirty Years' War in Europe. One spring day, resting after a battle, Lawrence found himself looking at and then staring at a barren tree that was just about to start to bloom. Contemplating this sign of renewed life, Lawrence left the army and joined a group of Carmelite monks in Paris, France. At the priory, Brother Lawrence spent his days repairing the sandals of other monks and talking to people from the neighborhood who came by. Lots of people came by to talk to Brother Lawrence. Because word had gotten out, you see, that Brother Lawrence was a detective of divinity. <laughs> Lawrence could find the fingerprints of God all over people's lives, and, and often he found them in the most common acts of human care, in, in washing dishes, in mending clothes, in tending a garden. Some said that Brother Lawrence could pick a piece of straw up off the ground and in it find evidence of a loving God. I thought about Brother Lawrence as I listened to Paul Simon's psalm. And the Lord is a virgin forest. The Lord is a forest ranger. The Lord is a meal for the poorest, a welcome door to the stranger. If these mystics, and Paul Simon's a mystic, make no mistake about it, are right, God is all around us. God is right outside this church's windows, right on this strip here where we prepare meals for those in need. God is in the wide-eyed smile of a chimp named Vanilla. God is in the swirls of stardust captured by the James Webb telescope and in a single strand of straw stuck on a farmer's overalls. My friends, it's good to be back because we have work to do good work, exciting work. 
This fall, we're going to pull out our magnifying glasses. We are going to track down the straws of God's love. And then, then by golly, we are going to share. We're going to do our level best to take the hands of other chimps and to lead them through the door. Are you ready? Are you hungry for vistas of wonder? Hear now the benediction. My friends, go forth from here to search for straws of wonder, eager to share sacred awe with the world. And as you go, have courage. Hold fast to what is good. Do not return evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak, help the suffering, honor all people, love and serve the Lord. Amen. We hope this sermon has been meaningful to you and given you a measure of hope, encouragement, and good news. If you would like to make a donation to support this audio ministry, please visit fapc.org give. Thank you and blessings to you on this day.